ladies and gentlemen, welcome back. This is the Emerging Nine Golf Podcast. I am Mike Maroney here with McLean Boyd, Jay Woodson, back for another episode. And we're still on baby watch at the Boyd household. <laughs> McLean, you hanging in there? You getting ready? Barely. I'm just barely getting back. Get your bag packed. day is coming. Did you bag packed? Did you, did you do the test run to the hospital to know which route to take avoid the lights all that bullshit no this is the second kid you stop giving shit about that after the first <laughs> you guys both know that pretty much yeah no, we're good we know uh unfortunately I mean, we're we're like 30 minutes away from the hospital um we've That's got pretty far yeah, mm. we got to drive down to jupiter mm. Mm. that's a hike we were like seven minutes from ours now there's one here like we could get to one closer but the one that she wanted to deliver in um is down that way so okay like we're not in the middle of nowhere where there's no hospital you know? no i i, I don't think so but yeah. yeah okay well again maybe we'll uh get interrupted this episode some <laughs> water water breakage anything's possible that's why i'm drinking water right now oh that's very very adult like of you yeah. very responsible it is Kirkland brand. You know, just yeah, I figured <laughs> that Costco love. Don't want to get through one episode without mentioning Costco. The fine people. Over there. Uh, Jay, well, well, Jay, what are you drinking? Since he's on uh, water, I've got um, I'm Buffalo Trace. I mean, nothing yeah. crazy. Kept it simple. Um, not gonna lie, I went. <laughs> kind of embarrassed to say this, but it's, it's another um, weird like buying. Bourbon from a creepy no, guy. No, 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 no. We didn't. No, we didn't go to any weird place. But just you know, randomly, you know, one of my coworkers, Matt Brandingham, he's um, he's hilarious, and he's a, a, apparently a, a nut for bourbon now. He's only been collecting this stuff for a year now, but he's really in tune with the uh, the notifications and what ABC store is getting what. So we'll be working, you know, in the office. He's like, he'll come in at like nine forty five. I was like. He's like Blanton's and Buffalo Trace just dropped right down the street. Let's go get in the truck. And he and he's like, let's go. Okay. Yeah, Blanton's, Blanton's dropped yesterday on three chop right by you guys. Yes, it did. And we got um, yeah, that's this was part of it. I got a couple uh, bottles of Blanton, and they had like the Buffalo Trace has been. They've had like twenty four at twenty four bottles at each place. So I'm like, all right. I was like, it's twenty whatever twenty six seven eight bucks. I was like, it's pretty daggone good bottle of bourbon for the price and you usually can't get it whenever you want. So I was like, I'll just get a bottle on here. But so here I am drinking another bottle of, I've, I've got a couple stacked up that I've saved. Did but, they restrict you on how many bottles of Blanton's buy? Yeah. One, one bottle one per person. Yeah, All yeah. the limited release stuff is one bottle per person. I, yeah. I did have one lady. We went to the first place that we went. Um, the It was two bottles left and she grabbed both of them. You're one per person. Uh, I mean, in the, I could see where people can get like really upset with this and get into a fight because there's no one there regulating. It's not like a cop's there saying, Hey, you get this bottle, you get this bottle. So this lady grabbed both of the last bottles and Matt and I are sitting there. I'm like, I look at the lady at the behind the desk and I'm like, Hey, what's going on? This lady's got two bottles. It's one person. And uh, the cashier was like, miss, you need to put that bottle down. You know, you've only, it's only one per person. And the lady that had the bottles turn and walk the other way. Like I actually like she couldn't hear her. So we were, we were like, she was like stalling, stalling, stalling. And then all of a sudden here comes 
she was on her phone texting somebody and here comes somebody else. Uh, it was a lady with a young kid, an infant brings the, 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 uh, the car seat into the liquor store and comes and gets the bottle from the other lady and then goes and checks out. And Matt and I are like, are you kidding me? Like, oh God. Are you serious? We waited in line for this. Um, but we went to the, you know, next door, we found the truck route. We knew where they were going and we got a bottle. So it worked out. I mean, it was a good 30 minute turnaround. We didn't waste any time, but it was still, it's pretty competitive, competitive stuff, but. Anyway. No, I got those notifications that there was Blanton's dropping, and I was like, I just couldn't. One, where I were, where I was at work was a 35-minute drive, Yeah, and that wasn't happening. So yeah. Um, yeah. I don't have that cush job that you do. So, <laughs> Well, it's not that. I mean, I, I don't want to leave the office either, but it's only the, the liquor store was a mile away. So I was like, all right, let's, it's worth a shot. <laughs> what app is worth a shot. Right? What's that? What app is this? A how do you, whiskey, how do you get the notifications? Whiskey DB. But this is only set up for Virginia. Yeah, it's only in Virginia. I don't know if you'll you'll get it down there. I'm sure they probably have something, but so like you can set up, you know, I think it gives you depending upon you can buy like different levels of a membership to get all these notifications. Um and I'll admit it, I do. It's like I think I paid 30 bucks for the whole year. That's um and you they allow you to track like six stores in 20 different bourbons on your tracker. And so anytime, you know, one of your 20 bourbons hits the shelves at these six stores, I get an email notification. So, um, there's been a bunch of, uh, Buffalo trace being dropped at all the stores this week. I keep on getting Eagle. They always put Eagle rare and, and Buffalo trace are always together. Yeah. They usually, it always seems to be Eagle rare Buffalo trace, um, blends depending on, availability and then the eh taylor eh taylor they'll drop sometimes that's probably once or twice a year they'll do that but those seem to be the most common limited release and then they they'll get a couple others um they'll get stag uh elmer t lee event and, you know occasionally they'll do those those are those are limited release um bourbons that are nice to have on the shelf yeah. Not, not expensive. I mean, they're not expensive at all. It's not like you're going to buy a $300 bottle of bourbon. I mean, that's like, you know, 30, 40 bucks for those bottles, but they're just because they're so limited. Just can't get them. Can't get them. Yeah. I'm drinking a little Makers. Um, the 2021 kind of, what do they call it? The wood, wood finishing. finishing. But the, the private selection. Sorry, that's what it's called. The private oh, nice. selection. So I guess Virginia ABC did their own private selection and, you know, put out a few of these bottles for their stores. This happened to be a bottle that I may or may not have left work to go down by your house on Academy (laughs) there, Jay, to (laughs) to grab. That's a good good bottle. They did a good job picking that. Yeah, it's it's very good. So, yeah, that was bought on uh, on the foundry's clock. But oh well, not like they, not like anyone's listening to this. <laughs> Just taking my lunch break, folks. Yeah. So yeah, it's very, very delicious. It's a heavy pour tonight, but oh, nice. I guess one I'll those, drink one of those days, huh? I guess I'll drink it. Um, <laughs> bunch of degenerates. Man. What's that? <laughs> Just a bunch of degenerates. Yeah. <laughs> Look who's talking. 
So, anyone playing golf recently? I played about well, a man. What's up? I quit golf again. You quit golf again? You get a new driver? Well, I did. Yes, I did. I was able to procure a new driver somehow. I knew a guy. <laughs> um, you know, you you've got some connections. So, yeah. So now I've I'm thinking about I'm thinking about playing again. Oh, good nice. for you. I am. I'm thinking about making a comeback. Um, maybe give golf another try. Uh, it's been a great week having quit golf. I mean, I, I, I did not hit one bad shot. <laughs> and get pissed and throw one club. It was just awesome. No, zero three putts all week, guys. If you keep track. that's there great. Seven days in a row. Seven days in a row. No three putts. <laughs> I actually played golf again. It was wonderful. Nice. You play you play the foundry? Yeah, I played in our Sunday morning group. They had eleven, so I made twelve and I was just absolutely exhausted. It's been a long stretch here the past yeah. two months at the club and really just didn't want to be in the golf shop, in all honesty. So Fair. I went out and played golf. Again, I was tired. Didn't help that I walked, but I don't know. I hit it all right. I hit her better than Princess Anne. I'll say that much. We're gonna get much worse. Princess Anne. How, how are the greens out of the foundry right now? Pretty good. Uh, the greens were just shy of 14 on a stint meter. Oh, so pretty good. Yeah, not bad. <laughs> yeah. Gosh, that's treacherous. That's that's tough. It is tough. We had a, a little two-day memory guest Friday, Saturday, and pace of play was slow. I have a feeling that was why. Yeah. It's uh, when there are 14s, it's, it's tough to putt and chip and attack them whatsoever yeah you're just playing you're on defense the whole time when you're playing yeah. i had a sunday i had like a 12 foot birdie putt on 15 foot birdie putt on 14 and played about eight feet of break just hoping a two putt from 15 feet you know that kind of yeah. stuff just lagging 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 just yeah. cozying it all day so it's hard hard to putt like that sometimes yes it is hard to make them but anybody watch any golf you want to get to some of our topics here? We had, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm not gonna lie, I didn't watch a whole lot. I saw some highlights, but it the, the coverage started so late, it's weird, you know. Yeah, how, it is, how it far is, is Japan? Though. They're what are they 13, 14 hours ahead of us or something like yeah, that? Yeah, it was coming. I think Golf Channel coverage was coming on like 11 o'clock, 11 30 every night. Man, I'm asleep. Yeah, at 11 o'clock. so I did watch, I caught bits and pieces of highlights in some of the replays that they were showing of Hideki, but he does get it done in Japan from the home crowd. He didn't get to do yeah. it at um at the Olympics, but gets it done here. Makes two Eagles final round, 65, wins by five, just going away. I like Hideki. Yeah. I love Hideki. I, I mean yeah. I wish see the only disconnect obviously is the language barrier. Like I can't I can't, you know, you can listen to a guy speak and talk about himself, talk about his game and what is he articulate, you know, how he does he talk about all the aspects of his game and you can kind of formulate an opinion on him based on how they, you know, do an interview or a little bit of one, obviously, but Hideki is tough. I mean, we're, we're basically just gauging whether we like him or not based on how he plays golf, like nothing about his, um, you know, his personal life. Cause it just, it's hard to figure out, you know, who he is, what he is, because it's always through an interpreter. So it's kind of a bummer. So that that's always the barrier, but you can still kind of tell, like, it seems like a very respectful player of, like, golf and his, his playing uh, his playing opponents and 
that's kind of cool. It's refreshing to see I mean, some part of the culture too. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. You're a hundred percent part of the culture. So, but it's cool to see, you know, somebody who's ultra famous in the far East. I mean, like he's like a rock star in Japan. Like he is the man. Um, and he still seems super humble, like not like a, uh, well, I don't even want to compare him to, <laughs> I don't want to compare him to any of our athletes. Cause that that's not fair. Um, but he seems seems super humble, and he obviously is super talented. So it's it's fun to watch him play. Well, I mean, just going back to I don't know if we talked about this or not. After the Masters, there was that video, the picture of his caddy mm-hmm. bowing to the course. Yeah. After I mean that yeah. that was yeah, really cool. freaking cool. Yeah, um, I've never seen anything like that in golf. It was just different and cool, and uh, just again very respectful, like you said, to not only his playing opponents but just the game. In general, yeah. of golf and the venue, and well, how cool is it that he got to um, do it in Japan? He got to win in Japan. Yeah, uh, for him, I mean, that was such a huge win, and for the country itself, I mean, they got to watch their golden child win on their stage, playing against some of the best players in the world. And um, you know, this is really the, his only shot, too. It's not like they're playing over there a bunch. That's he gets exactly right. That's exactly yeah. right. This was his major. Um, I was talking to a buddy about it this weekend. I mean, it, it, if he wins, I don't know what happened and what they did for him, but uh, I know he has been, uh, I, I would say my guess is that the Japanese golf media has just been absolutely blowing his stuff up and his stock over there is just rising very quickly. I know he has a lot of endorsement deals over there and I can only yep. imagine um, him completing this win. Uh, just put another, uh, maybe another zero or another uh, decimal point. Yeah. And um how much he's going to be able to get paid. They probably had a parade. Exactly. I mean, it's just, it, I don't know. I couldn't, I couldn't quantify it or uh, uh, come up with a good way to say it, but yeah, you're exactly right. I think they've uh, absolutely gone nuts over it and good for him. Yeah. It's good to see, uh, see our boy Lanto finished well. He had a top 10 finish. He's been MIA for the second half of the, the, well, obviously moving into 2020 or 2022, but the 2021 season, he kind of, you know, we didn't see him a whole lot. I mean, I know he's, you know, he is working super hard. He's a pretty uh, disciplined guy, but, you know, it's, golf's hard. <laughs> it's easy to, you know, we, we watch golf and most of the, our, our listeners watch a lot of golf, but you can have a guy who's playing great golf and just finish, you know, 20th, 25th. Even even top twenty, fifteenth, and you never see them. Never see the guy. They never get any airtime. Um, it's not it's not hard to do. And then before you know it, you've got a guy who's finished. You know, sometimes even in the top ten, and you never see him. And then he he's top fifty in the world. And you're like, wait, I've, I've never even seen this guy or heard of this guy, but he's been playing some unbelievable golf. And that's that's partly you know uh, associated with the way the TV cameras work and who's the most popular regardless of how they're playing i mean we all know that you know they're going to show tiger if he's shooting 100 because everyone wants to see him they want to see him you know you win the tournament or they want to see him miss the cut you know rory's gotten that way phil mickelson when he plays has gotten that way um you know dustin johnson some of these big big time guys they're going to show him pretty much regardless um, speaking, speaking of Phil, we had the – I know you probably get to this, so I don't want to jump the gun. Are you going to get to the champions 
I was going to get there in a second. I just went real fast on Lanta. We were talking about, ah, you know, what happened to him? Not that great of a year. You know, so he got into the first playoff event, um, Northern Trust, and then didn't qualify from there. Finished 89th on the FedEx Cup. Mm. Just won a mere 1.6 million. And it's like, ah, what happened to him? It was a down year. Well, that's that's what I mean. You know, it's like he can have. It's so easy to have a really good, solid year, but people don't see you on TV because, you know, maybe you're not contending early in the week, or you maybe have kind of a come come from behind top ten finish, and no one no one even knows you were there. You know, I mean, how many guys on the PJ Tour right now? You could probably go through a list. Now we are probably exempt from this, but. You take your novice golfer who likes to watch the PGA Tour, you know, once a month, and you can give them ten guys, fifteen guys in the top fifty in the world, and they won't know who they are. Yeah, um, just because of the way the it, it all is dependent on, you know, TV and who they show and who they don't show. Um, but you got, I mean, I think I think the PGA Tour and its media partners, if you will, do a poor job of highlighting some of those guys you know it's just about the top 15 guys or i agree i think that that is definitely something that i've always thought they needed to do a better job of i mean i know we talked about this in past um past shows but uh fox did that that little stint where they try to do like no commentating was wasn't fox who did that during the u.s open they did like a short period where they weren't going to do any commentating it was just kind of like let the players play maybe it was golf channel that did it yeah i can't remember who it was somebody did it and it was it was horrendous because again i think watching golf on tv what and, and no different with any of those sports that you need some type of color to the you need to add something to what's going on like, give me the backstory of this guy and this guy and this guy. What's his story? Make me root for him. Make me pull for him. Um, and I know that I know they try to do that, and they they understand that it's it's valuable. But I think we could push further for these other guys. You know, who 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 is this guy? Who who are these twenty rookies? You know, give me a reason to follow these guys every week. You know, what's the backstory? And before you know it, you find out like, oh, we grew up in the same hometown, or. You know, I, he knows this person. I know that person. So I'm going to pull for this guy. So the more information you can get about these guys and make them relatable, you know, it's again, you know, the reason you pull for people in sports is because it's your team, right? It, because it's your local team and that's who you're going to pull for. Or it's a player who you've got some type of tie or connection to. So why not try to make these connections, you know, in abundance? Like let's give them, let's give them so many connections that they can't, they have no reason not to pull for these guys. Well, so and that kind of goes back to we'll 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 get back to Phil and um, the Richmond event here. But mm-hmm. we had I had put on our topic list um, something similar to this, you know. So Jeff Shackelford, if if those out there don't know who Jeff Shackelford is, he's kind of an independent uh, media guy. Does some stints, freelance stuff on the Golf Channel. I don't agree with everything he says, but he always kind of comes at it from a different perspective and has some interesting talking points. And he put out a thing on Twitter the other day that the PJ tour needs to up some of their broadcasts and use the whole Monday night football Manning cast. If you haven't seen that. So Peyton Manning, Eli Manning, they did it the first couple of weeks of the season. It took a couple of week break. And then they were back last night um, for the Monday night game. And it's the two of them on ESPN two, while the, the regular coverage and broadcast was going on ESPN, 
it's two of them sitting in their houses or, you know, studios that made it look like their houses and just kind of watching the game, talking, they bring on some guests, but they're talking about like, Oh, look at this. They're in cover two. And if I'm a quarterback here and I'm seeing this safety start to lean this way, I'm going that way. Or I see this linebacker go over here. It's, it's pretty interesting. They're obviously fairly, you know, charismatic, funny guys as well. As much as I fucking hated both of them when they played, but that was just more because we played Peyton Manning so much. And then Eli took yeah. two Super Bowls from us, but um, they're funny. They are, they are pretty funny and entertaining they, and they dig each other. And so I watched the first half of the Monday night game, but all on the Manning cast last night, I did not watch the actual coverage. And I feel like not only is it more entertaining, especially for me, if I was, if the Patriots were playing, I probably wouldn't have watched the Manning cast. I would watch the regular kind of the play- broadcast. Play. Yeah. But because it's two teams that I didn't really have any rooting interest for, don't really care, had nothing on the game. I was like, this is going to be more entertaining. It's interesting to hear them say, well, this and that. Oh, I remember this game back in such and such. And then, uh, then obviously just the fun fact of them just digging after each other. Yeah. And they had Marshawn Lynch on there who was dropping F-bombs and saying shit. And was talking about how he was taking shots just before he came on the air, which is hysterical. And then they had actually my man Tom Brady on. So, you know, I took my pants I, off for that segment. Yeah, you did. Yeah, you did. You are <laughs> no surprise. But I will say that the, the Tom Brady segment was was really Okay, good. so you watched it too. I watched, yeah, I watched the, that whole the whole time. I didn't watch the m- regular Monday Night Football uh, telecast. Uh, I don't even know who's who's Monday Night anymore. Is it? It's Tariko so, and uh, no. So Tariko's on NBC now. Oh, that's right. Uh, Steve Levy does play by play, and then they have Lewis Riddick oh. and Brian Greasy. That's right. I like Lewis Riddick though. I, do I, I like think Lewis Riddick's fantastic. Yeah. Um, Lewis Riddick is pretty. He man, he's he knows his he knows his stuff. He played however many years in the league, part of the Players Association. He knows what's going on. Well, then he was an executive and a GM for a couple of years. And yeah, his yeah. name's still popping up there for some GM yeah. openings. He's a he's a smart dude. Very very articulate, well spoken. Knows exactly what he tries to say. He can he can really portray what he what the point he's trying to get across. But I mean, I do like I do like listening to him, but I did want to try out you know, Peyton and, and Eli, and then you know, with Tom on there, I mean, you had eleven Super Bowl champions and doing one, you know, uh, telecast. I mean, there's a ton of knowledge there. I won't give a ton of. Uh, I, well, I shouldn't say that. I mean, Eli Manning was probably the one who probably got the luckiest, but he he. He comes across as like a guy who's doesn't know what he's doing, but he, he you don't win two Super Bowls and play for twelve years in the NFL without you know knowing what's going on. And and he had some pretty good insight. I mean, he he started getting to the X's and O's with with the game, and it was kind of cool. I love that. That's what makes Tony Romo so good with what he does is because he he's doing that on the live uh, broadcast, and he's kind of giving that same kind of information that you were getting from Peyton and Tom, like hey. They're in this coverage. You know, he's looking at this guy. He's reading this linebacker going this way so he can make a, you know, make the play on his slot receiver here. So it was kind of cool. I mean, you don't get that from, you know, Collinsworth or, or uh, know, Collinsworth is fucking useless. That guy's terrible. He's, he's, it, it, I think it's an age thing. I think once you get out of the game a little bit, you, you kind of lose that. And then you just start filling the, just fluff. the air with fluff. I mean, and as much as 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 good as Troy Aikman was, he's kind of fallen into that a little bit. You just you're used to hearing the voice, and they just say like they're just filling 
airtime. And they don't know what the hell they're talking about. Like Collinsworth, when he did the Patriots game a couple of weeks ago, was like, oh, yeah, this guy, he was talking about one of our one of our players on defense, Dietrich Wise. Like, yeah, one of their best players. I'm like, he's like our worst fucking starting defensive player. Like, what do yeah. you, you don't even know what you're talking about. Like, yeah. it's kind of like it's kind of like picking a Ryder Cup captain in golf. You know, being a being a uh, an analyst on on a broadcast, you've got to be you've got to be close. You need to be like Tony Roma's in the perfect spot. He's got another ten years, and then he should probably, you know, jump to something else. But and Troy Aikman, I think, has probably gotten to that point where he's like, all right, I'm too far removed. I don't know any of these guys. I don't know the what's going on, you know. And I think I, I will say that the Golf Channel NBC did a good job of bringing in, you know, some of the caddies that they brought in because they still yes. know all these guys. Although Bones, it looks like he's he's back. That sucks that we're losing him. They do still have John Wood, which I think he's fantastic. John, John's good. I've actually played. Um, I had went to a couple of Q schools and, and played in a couple of groups with John um, when he was caddying for some other guys when he wasn't caddying for um, who was his main guy. Well, he's with Kucher forever. Kucher forever. That was Kucher. He was with a couple other guys. But yeah, he was good. He was, it was, you you can tell when you're playing in a golf tournament with a professional caddy, you're like, oh, this guy knows what's going on. He knows how to do it, which is kind of cool. And, and he, he's, he's doing a great job, I think. I mean, he's, again, he's just close enough. He's, he's not too far removed where he knows the players. He knows all the caddies. He's got a good relationship with them. He can, get some insight on who's doing what. Um, and that adds to the, you know, to the list, the, the listeners that adds to the viewership and more people want to listen to they get the inside scoop kind of like with, I don't know, with our guest. I feel like they want to hear, they want to hear the stories that they've already, they haven't already told, you know, I think that's, that what, that's what make, makes it fun. Yeah. Opinion. I just wish the, the PJ tour or, you know, NBC, CBS, the, the, people who cover it would just do a little bit more with the broadcast. Yeah. That's that's where we're kind of coming from this and why I brought it up was, I don't know, just do a little more. It's kind of stale. It's kind of boring. You know, they're going to, they're going to start to involve some betting. Oh, are they in it and kind of show some live lines? I know at least NBC will, I'm not sure if CBS is going to, I know that's going to kind of start up here soon or it probably 2022. I wish they would use more, more strokes gained. Like, can we use that during the telecast? Right? Like can that. we can we show two guys? You have DeChambeau and McElroy are playing in the same group, and DeChambeau hits one. Or else, let's just use uh, DeChambeau and Spieth, just because of different kind of players. You show DeChambeau just hit one three forty five, but it's in the left rough, and Spieth hit it three oh two, but he's in the fairway. Can we see the strokes gained on that two shots? And then how it's going to relate to them attacking the green from those areas and what clubs are going to hit. Can we can we do some more of that kind of stuff? Yeah. With with yeah. analytics being such a big part of the game and really any sport nowadays. Yeah. Can I we agree. bring it to the telecast a little bit? Yeah. They're tracking all of that data. It's just a matter of being able to um, get it collected oh. that quick. Yeah. Broadcast it, yeah. I think that I think that would be cool. Yeah. I think it'd be cool to see. I mean, obviously, you can. They've got the leaderboard, but it'd be nice to do, give a little bit more of an update on like some of the stats. Like, hey, so and so is leading strokes gained to green. So and so is leading, um, you know, you know, you know, putts per green in regulation or strokes gained putting. You know, it'd be cool to like see those in real time. 
Because that gives you another reason to follow another player who's not maybe on the leaderboard, right? And that's again what I would think the PJ Tour and all of these uh, all of these broadcast network networks. That's what they would want to do. We want to give them a reason to you know follow some of these other guys. So probably more more so the PJ Tour because they'll go on like pjtour.com and and follow some of the you know maybe more direct clips of each player playing and what they're doing, but. Or even just from a strategy standpoint, if you got a risk reward par five and they say, hey, you know, you got a guy coming down Sunday afternoon. Uh, is he going to go for it or is he not? Can you put up this? Let's see the statistics. What are the what's the stroke average for the guys that have gone for the green and what's the stroke average for the guys that laid up? Put some data behind what Faldo is saying or Paul Isinger is saying, oh, he's got to go for this. He's got to go for this to push it. Yeah. Or, you know, yeah. do the numbers back that up? Maybe they don't want to prove that they're Analysts don't know what they're talking about. I don't know, but yeah, that that could be that could be part of it, hundred um, percent. They're like, hey, let's not call these guys out if they don't know. <laughs> but there are some guys who are really like Brandel, like we've talked about Brandel Shamley. I mean, he's super dedicated to the stats. I mean, you love him or hate him with with his opinions, but he's always prepared. Um, which what what more can you ask for from an analyst? You know, hey, just give me the give me the facts, and you know, yeah, I'll, I'll take your opinion, and I can agree or disagree, but at least base base that opinion off of facts, not just off of a gut feeling. Yeah, I, I just I don't know. I just feel like it's we've been watching the same telecast on golf for how many years now? Like, okay, yeah, so yeah. they've added the the shot tracker, and they've added some of the. Some of the trackman numbers, you know, you see carry distance and ball speed and curve. Yeah. You know, they've they've added some other little graphics here or there. And you think Snoop Dogg would do a PJ Tour Calicast? I don't think he would be their first call, at least. <laughs> um, might have to have a few no's before they get to Snoop Dogg. <laughs> He's pretty funny on these like celebrity boxing matches. He's pretty good. But even do an alternate telecast, do a I don't know who you would get because a lot of the former PJ Tour players are still playing competitively on the Champions yeah, Tour. That, that's true. You know, so it's not like you're going to get Jack sitting there yeah. um, with Lee Trevino. Now, Trevino would be funny as shit. But, it would be pretty funny. You know, that's that's the tough part about golf. It's not like you're Eli Manning and you retire at, you know, 37. Yeah. Right? And you're just looking to do something to do once a week. Yeah. Um, yeah, these golfers but, are in their prime. These golfers are playing until they're you know, 70 years old, essentially competitively. So they're not like they have all this free time to just sit around and watch telecast. Yeah. But I don't know. I just thought it was an interesting topic and I, I do like the Manning cast. It's good. I, you know, they are entertaining and they can be witty. Just didn't like them when they were wearing uniforms. <laughs> no, I, I definitely agree. There's more that can be done. Yeah. It's just, there's other ways that we can make it more entertaining. And I think there's ways that we can make it more entertaining for, I don't want to say the novice golfer or the non golfer, but maybe the less knowledgeable golfer. Uh, yeah, where absolutely. Because we, we watch golf at a different IQ level than other golfers. And it's not, it's only because of the amount of time that we've spent playing golf and the ability that we've been able to um, play golf too. So it's, I think there's a way that we can do it that is ultimately able to make it more entertaining for everyone um, across the board. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, granted golf is not the, 
the sexiest sport. It's it's becoming more popular, but I think I think they are constantly trying to find ways to you know jockey their position there and with the big three. Uh, you know, you could throw some other ones in there too, maybe the big four between you know baseball, basketball, football, and hockey. So you're always trying to weasel your way in and, and say what's more important, you know, but I think anything we could do to kind of, again, the, the players are, that's what makes the tour. So you've got to make sure you, you, you showcase all these guys, it, you know, the, the more players that you can showcase the better. So, yeah. Anyways, interesting topic. And um, I'll be curious to see, I know CBS does have a new, like, head of the golf, you know, broadcast. And we'll see if he starts making some changes here as they move forward. I think it took over mid-year yeah, last year. But um, yeah, let's just change it up. I mean, it's it's going to be 2022 here. People need things differently, want things yeah. differently. People are consuming sports differently than they ever have. Yeah. So let's, uh, let's stay up with the times, which it's not always golf and PJ Tours. Uh, sweet yeah. spot yeah. per se, but let's, let's get into some little PGA tour champions. I fucking hate how they say that. Can we just call it the champions tour or the senior tour? Do we have to call it PGA tour champions? You can't say PGA tour champions. I mean, you can't say champions tour. You have to say PGA tour. Well, champions. that's how they call it. If you were going to, if you're, when you listen to the coverage, they call it PGA tour champions. So champions tour or the, let's just call it the senior tour. Can we just call it like, the senior tour? It's like Yoda is, is announcing it every time. Yeah. It's just, it, it's just a pet peeve of mine. That really bothers me every Not time I listen to it. Try. But they were here in Richmond, Virginia at the Dominion Energy Charity Classic, which was their first event on their playoff run for their Charles Schwab Cup. And Mr. Bernhard Longer. Ages does it again. Wonder. Ageless wonder, 64 years old, wins in a playoff over Doug Barron, who is he the lost. oldest, the oldest winner, oldest, oldest winner, yeah. oldest winner on Champions Tour or PGA Tour Champions history. Yeah, get it right, Jay. Get it right. Gosh, he's the oldest Loser. winner. Loser. I, it, I forget who was the record. Um, I should know this, but I, I don't remember. I think but it yeah, was Hale Irwin. Yeah, I want to say Hale. I know Hale has the, the record for the most wins. I think Bernhard's three away from tying his record for the most wins out there. He'll beat that. He'll beat that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, he will. So um, he gets it done in a playoff over Doug Barron, who lost to Jay last week. Rebounds, comes in second at the Champions Tour event. So That's right. Jay, you yeah. spurred him on. He's like, well, fuck, this guy beat me. He plungers toilets for a living. That's really, I was like, he's like, I, I need to step up my game. Like, if I can. <laughs> And be this guy, then I should just stop playing. <laughs> um, Although I did wax those boys by four. <laughs> I should have so shot I, fucking eight under. <laughs> I actually Sorry. Call this play. Uh, I'm not I joking. I should have shot eight under. I should have shot 61 <laughs> or 62, but I'll set up for 66. That's okay. There we go. There we go. No, I actually saw this playoff, believe it or not. I saw the end of the golf, and it's funny because. I saw it and it says Bernhard's one back on 18 middle of the fairway. I said, I'll take Bernhard. Yeah. yeah. Why wouldn't you? I mean, <laughs> I mean, the yeah, guy. And then I found out it was a par five. I was like, oh, he just he made us win this thing outright then. Yeah. He's so good. Game. It's so incredible how good he has been for so, especially in the, the, lat, the latter 
half of his career. I mean, he's a, would he win the Masters twice? Two-time Masters Yeah, champion? twice. And then to, I mean, and I think he's become more famous with his his record on the, the Champions Tour. But just because he's won so much, he's always on Golf Channel constantly. Every time I turn it on, it's like they're showing the PGA Tour event and they go to the Champions Tour and Bernard Bernard's name is always up there. It's like, you know, you just know who he is. He was the first official world number one in golf. It's like when they created, when they first created the world rankings. Wow. Did not know that. It's a little trivia, little trivia question for you. That's pretty cool. Well, it's not right, a question because uh, you told me. No, answer, not a question, but, but yeah, there. I've got, I've got some good Bernard stats here for you. All right. Hit, we were hit me. So Bernard played 324 events on the PGA tour, 63 top tens with three career wins to amass 10.7. Uh, five million dollars in career earnings on the PGA Tour. On the PGA Tour champions, oh. he's played 292 events with 199 top tens, 42 wins, and a career earnings of 31 million eight hundred and thirteen thousand dollars. So that's insane. Uh, I mean, you talk about just printing money out there, and the crazy part about it is that he's been able to do that in such a short amount of time comparatively with the amount of wins and how long he played on tour. The other thing I find uh, incredibly impressive about this is he played 37 events last year. The guy plays a lot of golf. Yeah. Yes. A lot. He, he doesn't take a week off. And I mean, if you think about it, he played the PGA tour for how many years? I know he played a lot of European mm-hmm. tour events as well. Um, he only played or he played 324 events. Uh, he's played 292 events in 14 years. That's playing a lot of golf. That's a lot of golf. Well, I guess if you show up and they pay you as well as they do him. Yeah. When you said how many, what was it? A hundred and what? 199 top tens. (laughs) 199 top tens. That's out of 292 events. Hang on. I got it. We're going to make this one better. So per week, I buy 292. Per week on the Champions Tour, he averages $108,000 every time he tees it up. I can get a for that 37 times. Yeah, I can do that. Yeah. If I needed to. That's a pretty good payday every week. It work if you can get it. <laughs> it's a pretty good payday. Um, so, yeah, I actually, I probably watched more of this coverage. One, because it was on live and normal hours. And two, it's right here in Richmond. So, it's always cool to see, you know, CCV. And it was looking great as usual. and. Uh, fun golf course over there, which I've played a bunch, and I'm sure Jay, you've played a bunch. McLean, have you ever played there? Uh, I've actually only played the in town course. Okay, West Hampton. West Hampton, correct. Yeah, I've I've not played out at James River. It's uh, the back really nice facility. The back nine is unreal. It's a really good nine holes of golf. The front nine to me gets get a little boring. Um, or okay, I've played this hole before. Yeah, but I think that back nine on, on the river course over there is just spectacular. Yeah, it's good. I mean, it's good. Yeah, I wouldn't. I don't know if I would go spectacular, in my opinion. Okay, maybe I, maybe I overstated spectacular, but I think the back nine is very good. It's good. It's a good back nine. You're right. The front nine's kind of you know it's nothing crazy there, but the back nine is is pretty nostalgic. You've got a lot of tall trees, tall pines. It gives you that that kind of 
that feel of a, like a classic golf course. And, and it's an, an, usually it's an impeccable shape, which always helps. You know, there's a lot of great golf courses in the country that have been designed by great, you know, great architects and the condition doesn't always, you know, match up with the, the architecture and they, they kind of get lost in translation. Um, and you can take some golf courses that are average. I won't name any, um, because I don't think that would be the right thing to do, but there's a, a lot that are uh, a lot of courses that are, you know, the architecture is average, but the condition is absolutely incredible and and they get ranked up there a little higher. Um, so, but you know, in the end of the day, who really cares? Like you like playing really tough golf courses that are, have great architecture and you also like playing really well manicured golf courses. So, you know, yeah. So Jay, you, folks, you wanted to mention Phil, what were you going to say earlier? No, we, we, I took, I took the boys, my two boys, eight and five, took them out to the golf course to watch, um, the event, you know, the, the PJ tour champions obviously were in Richmond, Virginia, and we've already talked about where they were, but, uh, it was close to us. So I took the boys out just to get a feel for the big time golf. They've watched me play. Well, actually, my youngest is really has never watched me play. My oldest has seen me play in a couple events, but not not on this level. So it was kind of cool. And he's into golf, and he had a blast. But we followed uh, Nicholson the last couple holes, and it's just so crazy. He hits two balls out of bounds on his 18th hole, which is number nine, a par five up the hill. And it, it, I'm going to say it's like – wide open there's out of bounds left but it's like i think the fairway is like 40 yards wide so it's not like it's it's not like it's a narrow narrow hole but it pretty generous and you can you can bail right if you really had to you could bail right and he he obviously missed two balls left out of bounds makes a nine and then the next day apparently he makes he does the same exact thing he pumps two balls out of bounds and i watched the replay he hit them almost in the same exact spot. I think it landed in the same person's chair both times. That's pretty incredible. That's what's crazy about golf is that once you have that in your mind, it's like <laughs> I've got no chance unless I just completely, you know, completely you know, pull a one eighty and just block it way or pull it way way to the to the right. Yeah, for him would be snipe it, snipe Which it in the trees right. Probably what he should have done, but you know, he, at hindsight's twenty twenty, right? You know, you don't know that until you make the bad swing. But I, I had to chuckle one because I hate the guy. I don't hate the guy. I don't like the guy. And two, he comes out earlier in the week talking about, I don't care about hitting fairways. <laughs> I just want to hit it as far as I can. Yeah. And it's going to be an advantage to me. Unless you hit it out of bounds. Unless you hit four in a row out of bounds, Tin Cup. <laughs> Dumbass. Ugh. I just was like, just golf gods looking down, you know? And so that's his whole thing out there is he, he feels like because he's so much longer than those guys and he's, he can just wail away. And if he's in the rough and 40 yards ahead of him, it's going to be an advantage. Yeah. And and I I get where he's coming from. If he can hit it remotely straight. And not he don't have to hit all the fairways, but just remotely straight. Yes, he he is right, yeah. and we've talked about that on this yeah. podcast many times. It was you just gotta funny. keep it in play. 
You got to keep it in play. You got to keep you it in play. In Phil. play meaning you've got to have you got to hit a hit a a drive that gives you an approach to the green. You know, some type of approach or clear shot to the green. So if you're hitting it in the trees and you're pitching out, then it's like, oh, great. You hit it 400 yards, but you're pitching out backwards. You know, what good is that going to do you? You know, strokes yeah. gain, you talk about negative strokes gain, hitting it, you know, out along and out of play. Um, but he does it. He's way longer than everybody else. It's not even close. Oh, yeah. I, I'm trying close. to see. I wonder if they have statistics on the PJ Tour champions on driving distance, although he's only played a couple of events. So I'm not sure how accurate this will be. And this is giving me PJ tour stats. Oh, wait, here we go. Yeah, they don't have a ranking. Oh, they don't? No, they have stats for him. But they don't have where he ranks on tour. He's probably hasn't played enough qualifying rounds. That's true. But he's averaging 311 yards out there oh, gosh, on the champions. Yeah. There's no way he's not. Not the longest. No. And then it pissed me off, too. So this is just me wanting to bash Phil. Uh, a person I follow here on Instagram who's from Richmond was at the event and posted a video of this kid on his dad's shoulders, like reaching out for a high five for Phil. Yeah. Did you see this? No, I didn't, but uh, it doesn't surprise me what you're getting ready to say. <laughs> and Phil, Phil walks by and the kid, little kid, the kid's probably five years old. On his on his dad's shoulders, and he's reaching his hand out for you know over the ropes, over the fence, or whatever you know into the walkway. Yeah, and Phil walks right by, and he ducks and dips his head and shoulder underneath this kid's hand and walks away. <laughs> so it's like super obvious, <laughs> super obvious. Like he had to basically walk into this kid's hand, and he did whatever he could to get away from this kid's hand. Yeah. And I was like, fucking Phil. And then the next post this guy posted was Phil signing autographs. And he goes, Phil is a people is a is a man of the people. And I'm like, whoa, 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 wait a minute here, pal. Like, I don't know. I get it just goes to my bias against Phil. And he always gets a break and the media loves him. And um, it's just that kind of I was like, wait a minute. He just dished this five year old kid. Now you're saying he's a man of the people. Yeah, uh, with that, it's so funny that you said that. So we we followed Phil on the ninth hole, which was his 18th hole, par five. He hits two balls out of bounds. So, granted, he's going to be pissed, as he should be. He really wasn't. So, that's one thing I will credit to him is he, he ne- rarely loses his cool on the golf course, which I almost wish that he would just one time because it would make him seem like more real and not like fake, which is his MO. But um so he finishes, he makes the nine and, and we're standing there. I got a video and I told my son, my oldest son, he's eight. I said, see if you can go up there and get a high five from Phil. Cause Ty, uh, Trey knows Phil Mickelson and Tiger Woods. And then like Ricky Fowler and you know, all the, the people, Rory McIlroy, he's known as like five golfers and Phil is one of them. So he was super pumped to watch him. I was like, well, go up there and get on the ropes and see if he'll give you a high five as he's walking off. So I got this video of Phil walking off and he's so busy, like doing this with the hat, dipping the hat and thumb, the weird thumbs up, like to everyone, all these kids, it's all kids asking for a high five. He's like walking by all these kids, like, because he just wants to look and smile for these videos, but he's not giving any of these kids high fives. 
and, and, and Trey was standing there and obviously didn't give him a high five, but I got the video of him like, you know, thumbing everybody and not, not looking, you know, giving these kids high fives. And it was just, you know, again, it's so easy to be critical. And if there were anybody else, I wouldn't think about it, but because it's Phil and because that's kind of what his little MO is like, he's like, Oh, he, he hates, he hates old people, you know, dogs and kids, you know, that's not really. Yeah. He's Don Johnson from, from Tin Cup. Yeah. It's not really him, but that's like, they kind of compare him to Don Johnson from, from Tin Cup. So and the, just to see it in person with him doing the the thumbs up to like the crowd and not like addressing. I the gotta kid. say, Jay, you're pretty good at that. Time. You're you're pretty good at that. He, he's like, yeah, he does that up and down. He's like, <laughs> <laughs> the thumb is like, and he's tipping his cap all the time. I'm like, what are you doing? Who are you talking? Who are you looking at? You know, <laughs> who are you looking at? Um, but you know, I mean, I don't, you know, I don't hate Phil Mickelson. Obviously, I, I actually was pulling for him pretty hard when he won that. Uh, the PGA this year. It was pretty cool for, you know, 52 years old to win, but it's so funny. You see him in person and he is exactly what you see on TV. It's like the same thing. Granted, because the camera's always on him, but yeah, exactly. Cause you're um, seeing him where the cameras are and the people are exactly. Um, and I didn't see him outside of that. Um, but he does sign a, uh, a shit ton of autographs for the kids usually. So, you know, it's hard, I rooted, it's hard I rooted to criticize for him. him, but so much. I rooted for him there at the end on Sunday of the PGA. And then I pretty much immediately regretted rooting for him right after when he started doing interviews and talking and opening his fucking mouth. I was like, why did I root for you? Like, you're such a fucking douchebag. Why did I root for you? I I was, I was so mad at myself after it was over. I'm like, I can't believe I sat there and enjoyed that for a minute. That was, you know, we can attribute that to, um, uh, good, good producing from, uh, the, the, the telecast there they they really b- pumped him up and they backed the story yeah they the oldest golfer and then made you like you know support him they talked me into that one and then i was yeah. like well wait a minute i need to stick to my guns here this guy sucks <laughs> stick stick to my guns i don't like phil all right yeah i don't like him get off my back a, i don't like him but a personal commandment of mine for a yeah. couple decades now i don't want to do it don't make me like him <sighs> <sighs> what else we have Tiger going to win the uh, player impact program? Sounds like he's going to win the player impact. I, I, I got to pull up this report. You you mentioned it too. Did I send it to you? I, I thought I sent you the the snippet of it, but here I'll I'll pull it up. I saved it. Um, so this this is kind of the they've never really given the exact um, criteria for what's going to categorize the winner. So they they've given a bunch of different things, but they they've never weighted each one of these bullet points right um so one of the one of them is popularity in google searches nielsen brand exposure rating from weekend tournament tv coverage q rating which measures name recognition and favorability scores mvp index which gauges engagement in social media and digital channels and then the meltwater meltwater mentioned social media monitoring um again these are just five bullet points that they use to, to measure this. But if you look at those, I mean, Nielsen, Nielsen brand exposure rating from weekend t- tournament TV coverage, like Tiger should be a zero. He didn't yeah. play in one single event. Um, he does, he is the most followed golfer on the PGA tour. Um, so if you look at all of the Google searches and especially with, you know, the car accident, um, 
and then some of the others, the MVP index, social media, media and digital channels. Yes, he's going to win those even not playing. So it sounds like the PGA Tour needs to reevaluate, um, you know, their their criteria for this for this award. I mean. But do they? He, he should. He should win this. I think we even said this when this first came out. Like, we should. They should give the first forty million dollars to him because this whole program was created because of him. Sure, but the whole program is created because they want to try to reward the players and make them stay on the PGA Tour. So, it, I you know I, I I get yes he has met those criteria, but I think. Th- it's it's more suited for the. I mean, if the guy's not even playing, then is he a threat to go to another tour? Absolutely. I mean, absolutely. You think if he's not playing because he's injured, you think he's yeah. a threat to go to another tour? I. But I he's, mean, he's here's the whole thing. The PGA Tour wants to protect their product. If sure. all of a sudden, when Tiger does make this comeback and he plays again, which is still up in the air, but it sounds like it's going to happen. If we know Tiger, I would. If he's physical physically able to play the game of golf at all, I think we're going to see him play in some former capacity in another professional event. If the yeah. Premier Golf League has the um, has that tournament, if Tiger comes back and his first tournament is the Premier Golf League event, all of a sudden the Premier Golf League is now validified. They're solidified, validated. Uh, I made up a word there. You got. You did make up a word. It was. all just validified. It was like strategic. It. It. <laughs> it kind of felt good. It almost sounded like it was legit. Uh, um, <laughs> Let's look up validified. I want to yeah, see because it sounded good. so good when you that's said it. Good. I have totally believed it. I was like, oh man, that's good yeah, shit I've, right there. I've validified. I was like, wait a second. I'm calling Webster's right now. We're gonna get those in the dictionary. That was well done. Well done. That validates the Premier Golf League instantly, and all of a sudden. It has to be televised. The Premier Golf League doesn't have anything right now. So if all of a sudden they can throw, uh, which they have the money to do, and they say, Tiger, we want you to come play in our event, your first event back. We're giving you a $15 million appearance fee to do it. Now all of a sudden the media is going to make sure that it gets televised. They're going to have some sort of TV deal in place now. Um, Sure. So the PGA Tour literally losing their product. So they have to continue to pay him the highest because – they want to make sure that he's still affiliated with their brand. Agreed, agreed. But to that point, if that's the case, why would you just not pay Tiger? On, if, if the whole reason you set up this program is to make sure he didn't leave because he was the needle mover, then why don't you just go to Tiger? Why even create this program? What difference does it make? Just go to Tiger and say, hey, we're going to give you $50 million a year. Don't go play in this Premier League. And then we'll just be done with it. You know, If that's the case, then they would have just gone straight to the source and they're like, Tiger, you can't leave. If you leave, you're going to screw us. Here's 50 million. Stay on the PGA Tour. Never play in this Premier League. Why even? Why even make it a competition amongst the the your current players? You know, I mean, I, you know, I, I I totally get what you're saying. You're right. He is the needle mover. If he did jump ship, then they would be screwed. Um, but why even set up a why even set up a competition? You know, if you know that if, if you know this person is going to win. And it's not even close. And what you know? Why even do it? You know, and are you doing it for the you know six through ten? Those guys who are trying to sneak in and get a little extra, maybe so. Um, oh, so here's so I'm reading. I think it might be the same article, the, the SI article. This guy mm-hmm. did this, and again, I don't know how this guy came up with this. If he, if he has the information for all this 
I did look up validify and it's not a real word, but <laughs> it is, it <laughs> is a word that people have tried to use before. So it did show up. Um, it wasn't, it users wasn't. intend to mean it to validate, which is the correct word, but use uh, validify in, in its place. And it's a mix between validate and solidify, which <laughs> sounded so good. <laughs> sounded so I'm going to, I'm going to use it in the future and see if anyone picks up on it. <laughs> You're welcome. I, I'm, I'm not strategery. 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 So here's this guy's top 10. However, he figured this out. And I could probably, there's a lot of words in this article, so I'm not going to read them all. But uh, number one, he had Tiger Woods. Number two, he has Roy McElroy. Number three, he has Spieth. You know, so something for, he says for Spieth, Spieth excels across social media. With 2 million Twitter followers, 1.6 on, on Instagram, both of which are ranked uh, fourth among the players examined. He's got Phil fourth. I'm just looking at some of these stats he's trying to give here. Bryson a little higher than that based off of all the buzz that he's had this year. Yeah, that's a good point. I, I don't know. I don't yeah, know. He's got, I like or hate him. He's had yeah. a lot of buzz surrounding what he's been doing. Yeah, he's you want to see you want to see what he's doing. Yeah. Good DJ fifth. He, so, like, DJ, he ranks second in media coverage based on Google News results. Oh. You know, it's one of the one of the facts here he has for, for DJ being up there. Uh, Bryson is sixth. Uh, so, he is up yeah. there. Yeah. Ricky Fowler is seventh. So, there's a name that, talk about playing like shit, right? Well, yeah, that's what I was going to say. Your play doesn't necessarily convert into not all of it. No, yeah. yeah, not all of it. No, you're right. It's a part of it with those Nielsen ratings because they're talking about weekend coverage. So that means yeah. if you're in contention, Ricky Fowler was not in contention. No, but he does have a good social media following. So I, I you know, again, it's 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 a part of it, but man, maybe they have to change the the weight of each category. You know. I just think it's, you know, Tiger obviously is one of the most impactful players on the on the tour, if if not the most. But at a, in a year where he didn't even play, he wins this title. I think that's definitely something that they should probably reevaluate. Like, there's no question that we want Tiger to be part of that and to get part of that money and and showcase that he is impactful. But I mean, geez, if if he's if he wins when he's not even playing. Then what is going to happen when he plays every year? It's like why even do the why even do the damn contest? You know, it's like he's going to win every year regardless. So, so here's an error. So they had Justin Thomas eighth, and part of this is like positive news, but because of you know JT's incident um, using the gay slur in Hawaii in January, they he gets docked according to this guy. Because oh. because some of the news and some of the Google searches were for negative reasons, uh, not positive reasons. So he can get. So he goes down the list to eighth because of that. So Tiger doesn't get docked for any of his extra regulars. So. Well, this is just this is just this year, so it's not. Well, when did when did Tiger fall asleep at the wheel and? Well, that's that's not confirmed. That's speculated. <laughs> 
Uh, and you know, he did whatever he did. He didn't do it right. Cause he wrecked the car. <laughs> Correct. But the media coverage of it was not negative. That was never said. So yeah, it was, eh, it was in the middle, but we're, we're hard hitting journalists here, Jay. We're, we're not talking about speculation. We're talking about <laughs> anyway, that is, it'll, it'll be interesting to see again. They're not going to broadcast this. I'm sure it'll get leaked out when they actually give it away. Yeah. Someone's going to find out there's too much news in yeah. well, about this leading into it. And they've said that the PJ tour has said that they do not have to disclose who wins what and what their place is, but, and what they're getting paid or they, they never, paid. they never gave the the breakdown of what the four, how the 40 millions, I think it's 8 million to the it 8 million to the first place is what I saw. Yeah. Something like that. And then I mean, I don't care who you are. I don't care if you're tiger, 8 million is 8 million. Like <laughs> that's a lot of, that's a lot of cake. Even if you don't, I mean, if Tiger didn't care about eight million, then he wouldn't have gone and played in all those tournaments in the Middle East with the appearance fees. He likes money. That's in the news today, too. Yeah, the, the eight eight guys have requested to play in that uh, that Saudi event, Saudi event. Yeah, which the European Tour used to be on the European Tour scheduled. Uh, DJ won it last year. He won it in nineteen, and you know, so for for the listeners, the PGA Tour players, if they want to go play in another tour's event, they have to get a special approval from the PGA Tour. Uh, I forget how they phrase it or what they call it, but and so eight guys have tried to get this waiver to, you know, because of a conflict to go play in this event. Well, this event's no longer on the European Tour. The European Tour stripped it. It's now on the Asian Tour just because no one wants to be involved with Saudi Arabia anymore. So it'll be interesting to see if they grant them this special exemption to leave the PGA tour to go play in this event, you know, with not only just the the political thing of Saudi Arabia, but also that there's the super golf league also out there with the premier golf league and the super golf league is all Saudi money. And so they're probably heavily invested in this event as well. And the appearance money. And how does that, this could be a big, big moment. Um, I mean, think about it. If if you have eight guys that have requested, that's almost enough. If eight guys request, and they're all top, you know, thirty players in the world, they if, if the PGA Tour denies them, do they all say, you know what, guys, let's go ahead and do it. Let's go play in these events, and 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 if the Saudis can guarantee that they can give enough give enough money, it's like, hey, I'll just go get my money while I can. And playing against lesser fields. I mean, let's be honest. The best, the best players in the world playing the PGA Tour. So, the only problem is if they do play in it, the 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 penal the the penalty is uh, banned from for life for the PGA Tour. Yeah, that's what was leaked out. That Monahan basically threatened to them that they would be if they go to this tour, they're they're done for life on the PGA Tour. If this can, tour ever gets started, can but. he? Can they do that? They're independent contractors, and, and I mean, I don't know. I mean, I guess it's a private entity, the PGA Tour. That's yeah, a private entity, the PGA Tour. The PGA Tour is a private entity. It's not publicly traded. No, it's not a publicly traded company. It's a private yeah. entity. I mean, it's so essentially they, they have their players' union, I guess, if you will. But yeah, uh, yeah, I think they could just say, "Sorry, you're not eligible to play anymore. You're not getting membership." They got to grant that membership, right? Yeah. yeah. So that that's a that's a dilemma. 
do you do you put your trust in the in in the Saudis and their and their golf tournaments, which let's be honest, have all been really great up until this point, a lot of money. But you know, what happens if things change, money's not available, and they say, Hey, we can't run this tour anymore. And now you've got Dustin Johnson, best player in the world, who can't play anywhere, or he goes to the European tour unless they unless they ban him over there too. So yeah, so this conflicting event release is what these guys are asking for. They're allowed to do this three times a year to go play in another tour, you know, when there's a PGA Tour event going on on the same weekend. They I'm can only to, do that three times a they year? They can only do it three times a year. Now, granted, you got to remember, a lot of these events are like co-sanctioned. The World Golf Championship events are co-sanctioned. You know, obviously, all the majors are co-sanctioned. They're, you know, that kind of stuff. But um, so here's a list of guys, the eight guys that have applied for this conflicting event release. DJ, Graham McDowell, who's won the event. Uh, Abe Anser, we know him well. Lee Coke Westwood, Tommy Fleetwood, Henrik Stenson, Kevin Nod, and Jason Kokrak. Jason Kokrak is sponsored by Golf Audi, Golf Saudi, excuse me. Audi's a car. <laughs> Probably a better sponsorship to have. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, that's that's tough. I mean, I get it. Like, if it's one event, it's one event. Like, they're not, you're not. I mean, it's if they're saying they're going to go play, you know, 10, 15 events and take away from what you're doing. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I, it's I an off there. week event. It's in the fall, you know, you know, just let them go play. I mean, I don't think it is in the fall though. I think it's in like February. Oh, it is. It's, Oh, it's even, it's even further down the line. Okay. Yeah. I thought it was coming up pretty soon. No, I think it's in like January, February. I'll, I'd have to double check that, but so I, I, I don't know. Again, all these guys are probably getting massive in um, appearance fee money. Oh yeah, crazy to even to even go over there. But Jay, go get your bourbon. All right, go. And we're back from our bourbon break, or Jay is. So <laughs> w- one one last topic that came out today before we get to our picks, and we this initially kind of get came out back in I think it was February or March. USGA RNA were talking about changing the amateur status rules. And so today they officially announced what they're going to do starting in January. And so amateurs can now receive up to a thousand dollars cash or check for an event. If it is a scratch event, if it's a handicapped event, they can't take any money. So obviously you're talking USAM, they can now pay the winner a thousand bucks and go down from there. The and this is this is a lot of this I think was kind of the hand was forced, kind of what the what the NCAA did with players now being able to make money off their name, image, and likeliness, the NIL, as you've probably seen when it comes to college athletics. And so these players, these golfers. Amateurs can now do that as well. If somebody wants to pay you to be in a commercial for a used car car sales lot, they can do that. If they want to put their logo on your sh- on your shirt and pay you, and amateurs want to try to get some sponsorship as endorsements so they can travel and I know I mean especially these these high end amateurs they they travel all over the country and the world playing in these things and that gets expensive, right? So yeah. They want to find a sponsor to help cover their costs and airfare and hotel and food. 
they can do it now. What's the, was there a, a maximum of how much they can get? No, there's not. Wow. So you're saying a guy can play amateur golf and get a hundred thousand dollars sponsorship or endorsement from whatever, wear a logo on his shirt and still be able to play amateur golf. Yep. Wow. So you will only That's lose huge reading from the golf channel. Um, article here. Players will only lose their amateur status if they accept a prize with a value exceeding the limit in a scratch competition of $1,000. Or if they accept any prize money in a handicap competition. These, these prize rules only apply to tee-to-hole competitions played on a golf course or a simulator but they no longer apply to long drive putting or skills competitions. It has so to be, be a, you can be a long drive, long driver and still keep your amateur status. Still keep your amateur status. Huh? Obviously yeah. if you play, if you play in a, an event as a professional, you lose your amateur status. Sure. If you accept, accept payment for instruction or if you accept employment at a, as a golf club professional or membership of an association of professional golfers. So the PGA. You 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 lose your amateur. You status. lose your amateur status. Gotcha. There was what? some caveat about the instruction that you could you could have like a social media platform where you give tips and you can make money from that standpoint, but you can't give like individual instruction. It can't okay, be a, so like Paige uh, Spiernak is making money off of her in- golf Instagram account, but. She's not giving golf instruction. Yeah, like but even if even if I had a, a golf instruction website, but it was just and this is just me reading this article. If I had a golf instruction, I was an amateur and I had a golf instruction website with a standpoint of I'm just giving out tips. No one's no one's working with me and sending me their video, and there's no back and forth communication with an individual student. It's just I'm putting out tips on how to hit a bunker shot or how to hit yeah. a flop shot or whatever it is. I can and let's say I have a, a pay for a site. I think people could pay for that site as long as there's no like individual hey, instruction, individual, like a guy sending you his swing and saying, Hey, I'm, I'm a slicer. How do I fix this? Um, I'm not gonna lie. This is, I, I, I you sent me that link earlier. And I, I knew that they had changed some of the rules. I didn't know that they changed it to that. This is, this is huge. In my opinion, huge. Think of think of an amateur or amateur golfer coming out of college, plays two years, is an unbelievable player, doesn't give himself enough time, or runs out of money, gets his amateur status back, but is still relevant and still a popular. Say they won the USAM and and you know three years ago, and just they're out of the game. They, I mean, they can easily get a hundred thousand dollars for someone to sponsor them, put a logo, still get some money from Titleist or TaylorMade or whoever. If they're allowed to get these endorsements, these sponsorships, I mean, why would I mean it's it's a lot easier to to stay an amateur golfer, get paid a hundred grand, and go play amateur golf events, and still be able to support your family if if you're good enough to work out that deal. I mean, that's that's incredible. That's inc- that's huge. I mean, and and they're making it easier to get your amateur status back now as well. Okay, tell me about that. So there's. <laughs> It's now like a six month to one year window where current, you know, is 
about two years before if you apply to get your amateur status back. Two, two seasons. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's going to be now about six months. It's, wow. it's sounding like. Hmm. So, Jay, there you go. Let's get it back. I mean, I actually... I actually like playing professional golf. I mean, I love playing amateur golf too because it was it was great. But I, the reason I like professional golf is because it really it challenges you at every level. You know, you know, you're out there. You're like, why am I getting so upset about this? It's because you're playing for money, and it just, yeah. you can see how it affects people. You know, like, why am I getting so worked up about this? You're playing for fifty thousand dollars, or hundred thousand dollars, or a million dollars. Like, yeah. <laughs> that's why that's why it's affecting you so you can really see wh- who you are you know and what type of golfer you are from a uh, not just a physical standpoint but like an emotional and mental standpoint You're like how can i handle this pressure so i don't know that's cool I, I i do appreciate that but i i at the same token i did love amateur golf because that's you really play golf because you absolutely love it and you just like competition and there's nothing you're not getting any more out of it than uh, just to say I beat my buddies and I, they gave me a nice trophy at the end, which is still super cool. That, that changes now. That yeah, yeah, it does a little bit. It does a little bit. Yeah, you're right. right now. You you have a Stu Hagestad who didn't turn professional. Is not mm-hmm. in college, right? A lot of these a lot of these top AMs are in college. That's why they're still AMs. Then they turn pro when they're out of school. Yeah, but like a Stu Hagestad is you know, a lifelong amateur. Now he can go make a whole bunch of money off himself. And I mean, as because a, of who he is as a U.S. amateur champion and, and someone who's competitive, say you're a make a mid am, like a young guy who just won the mid am or just won the U.S. am. And you, and you, you're not, you know, obviously you're in the, you're, you're not going, you're not turning pro. I mean, you can turn around and you can make a, like, I mean, this is essentially what like Bobby Jones did back in the day. I mean, how much money did that guy make before they really kind of were really hard on these rules? I mean, yeah, you go out when the go when the mid am and you go to a company and say, Hey, I'm going to be playing at Augusta. They're probably going to show me hit a couple of shots. You want your logo shown on the air mm-hmm. at Augusta? Pay me. I think you do. You know, I think it's worth it. So I reached out to, I did a little little research today. Oh, I, reached out, I reached out to our buddy, Matt Smiley, executive director of the VSGA. I mean, I feel like we need to have him on a guest zoom here. Like we just, do. he's yeah. like, he's like, uh, he's like the referees that have retired that they show on uh, the golf broadcast that, that they bring in and they're like, ask their opinion on stuff. I'm like, all right, let's we'll call in Matt Smiley. Let's call in Matt, Smiley. Matt's available. So I, I reached out to Matt for comment. I did send him like a formal text, like, Hey, yeah. Mike Maroney here for the emergency night golf talk. I'm looking for comment on your, New amateur status. He said, you know, his response was clears up some gray area, may create a few more, aligns with the NIL world we now live in with college athletics. And then he's like, there could be confusion between a scratch event and a handicap event. So you start talking a club event or even some of these state, you know, amateur associations like the VSGA. He's like, you know, if we if we flight an event by handicap, but play it at scratch. By the rules of golf, that's technically a handicap event. Even though no one's getting strokes, they've used strokes. They've used handicap to flight it versus who you're playing against. I think it should be because they usually do a net and a gross within the same tournament. So you'd have to, I think you'd have to differentiate. If he's saying, even if it's, 
he says even if it's played at scratch and you flight it by handicap, it's it, it's no longer it is a handicap event because the playing people you're they, playing against are, are only of your ability, yeah. right? And they they need to they need to figure that out before they get too far along. But like, you know, my thought was if it's if it's a if it's an event that's it can be it can be a net or a or a gross event depending on how the person is paid, that should be, if you're paid on winning a net event, then yeah, you should be disqualified. But if you're playing in a, you know, a co-event where it's, you have a net winner and a gross winner and you're the gross winner, you shouldn't be penalized because it's, there is a net event going on within that same event. Um, but I yeah, see where I, you're going with like, yeah. the, with like club championship, like every, every club championship is, is based off of a, it's a, it's a net event. Well, no. So, like, uh, my club championship is a great. Not like people would get pissed or we're going to give away more than a thousand dollars, but um, we play club championship as a gross event. There's no strokes. There's mm-hmm. no handicaps involved, except for we pay. We give trophies for flight winners, and the flights are determined by your handicap. So the guys that are you know, eight to 12 handicaps are playing against each other in their flight, but there's no strokes given. So anyone who wins that flight is a gross champion, if you will, but there's no net champion. So he's saying, I would not be able to give that guy money and him keep his amateur status because we use their handicap to flight it. That's, I don't think that's right. That's ridiculous. But, and then his other thing was like, he's like, I see, you know, this could affect some other events if amateurs start picking events based off of if they're given cash or not or yeah ch- checks out or not and start yeah. to to it, shop it, events if you will yeah they're like i'm not going to that event they don't give cash i'm going to go to this event so i asked yeah. him again this is anyone who's listening from the state of virginia i asked him what they're going to do and he said that it does need to go through their committee he's a staff member of the vsj so they do have a board of directors and a committee and but he said the staff recommendation will be to continue with gift certificates for all VSGA events. It's part of our agreement with host clubs. So it sounds like if they have it their way, they will not be giving out any kind of check or cash for the state am champ of, of Virginia next year. Yeah. Now, as a PJ professional, thank you, Matt. Yeah. Um because when we host these events, especially at, at uh, a private golf club, I have to justify to my my board why are we hosting this event, taking up the course from members? Sure. What, what kind of revenue are we going to make? What kind of publicity will we get? Are we doing this for the good of the game, the community? What What are the reasons we're hosting this event, right? And if I can say, you know, we're going to bring the top AMs to the and the entire state out, and and they're going to compete. We're going to get a couple news articles. It will be on social media, yada, yada, yada. Oh, by the way, they're also going to spend five grand in the golf shop and gift certificates. That helps. If they say, the VSA says, no, we're, we're not longer going to do that. We're going to give cash prizes. Well, there goes $5,000 of revenue for yeah. the club. Sure. So, again, from my standpoint, I think that's great that the VSA is thinking about doing that. And it could hurt. It, it really could. I mean, if a club says, well, no, if you're going to take away this revenue, I'm not, I'm not going to host your event again. Yeah, they may do that. And, and they, now they're going to have less of a pool 
to go to. They might have lesser golf courses to go to to host these championships if they start taking that away. So, Great point. Good work. Dialing up Matt Smiley. We got him on speed dial. Journalism. Emergency Nine podcast. Hashtag journalism. Always has a, a, a good opinion and a well thought out, articulate opinion. And he's, we've said this in the past podcast, he's scored a perfect score on the rules test a couple times, I think. I think he's getting sick of me texting him. I think I texted him like <laughs> twice last week about rules questions. Here's here's one real fast. I've actually never heard this, and I know they changed the rule, but it like threw me for a loop. So you, we know how they got rid of the TC Chen rule. There's no longer a penalty mm-hmm. if you double hit a ball. Mm-hmm. I had someone do it in a match of the club on the putting green, and it went in on the green, and the ball went in the hole. Double I hit a putt, and the I ball went it, in. I think it. I think it counts. It counts as one. Yeah, the only, the only, the only uh, rebuttal to that rule was if there was an intent to double an intent. Hit it. Yes, and if it's on purpose, but if it's an accidental double hit, yeah, it there's counts. no longer a penalty. You don't have to count both hits. Yeah, you just count the one stroke. It's not about the hits; it's about the stroke. Stroke. Yeah. So this player was putting for par. Double hit it. The ball went in. As my as as Matt responded when I texted him, he's like, "Nice par." <laughs> like, there you go. Like, no, nothing else. I'm like, okay. I was like, I'm just making sure, Matt. Like, I've never heard of the, someone double hitting a on the green. The ball goes in the hole. But you know, the the whole double hit thing in the past was a little weird. I mean, I I get from a you know from a systematic standpoint you're like oh these are the rules if you hit the ball twice in the same stroke it counts twice but it does but also, the, but, but also the way they said it though it wasn't like you were counting both hits the old rules was you count the initial stroke and then you add a penalty stroke for hitting it a second for time, hitting yeah. it a second time so it's I like think. you counted both times but it was just weird how they wrote it and uh, so, you know my i have one story with the double hit rule and it it's it was awful. I was playing one of my best friends, John Scavertan. He is, you know, director of instruction at Congressional, and we were playing together in Q School, first stage, and at Treyburn, which is in uh, Durham, North Carolina. Absolutely great course, but you play it in end of October, and it's usually the weather is kind of spotty. You never know what you're going to get, but. Anyway, we're playing. We play together. It's so funny. My, a lot of my my big moments in golf, I was playing with John Scott. I lost him in a playoff for the USAM and a five-hole playoff. I'd, I'd missed it the two years prior by one shot, and then I, my third year I get in a playoff with John Scott, and he beats me in a five-hole playoff, whatever. So he's one of my closest, dearest friend, friends. But anyway – we're playing in Q school together, which is the most stressful time of the year for any, you know, aspiring pro. You like you have one shot to make it on the PGA tour at that time. And, and, and since then it's now you can move up to the corn ferry, but so we're at first stage and, and he's playing great. He has a great round going and he hits a chip shot. It was kind of a weird thick lie, like off the side of the uh, green, he hits it and it, it came off funny. He kind of chunked it and hit it and it kind of, dribbled up on the green and he was like, all right, he chunked it up there. So the other guy in our group came up to us at the end of the end of the round and was like, you know, Hey, I've got John Scott 
for a 72 and John Scott was like, no, I shot 71. He's like, well, you double hit that chip on that hole. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, Oh, I was like, it was weird. I was like, I'm not going to lie. It was weird. It was an awkward sound, but at the same time, I was like, I don't really think he double hit it. And then we were going back and forth and back and forth. And it was, and then John Scott, I mean, it was like 20 minute thing. And here I am sitting with my best friend and we're, he's trying to, he played great. I mean, the, the, the course was set up tough. It was cold. He shot, you know, even par one under, he was in a good spot. Like he was in, within the number. And I was like, John Scott, I was like, in the end of the day, if you, you are in control of your, your card, if you are absolutely certain that you didn't double hit it and you're not confident that you double hit it, then don't, then don't say it, you know? You know, it's not like I don't, no one wants to cheat, but at the same time, you don't want to call an unnecessary penalty on yourself. And and he made the right call. At the end of the day, he was like, look, I, I don't think I double hit it. I think I chunked it and it, you know, kind of I chunked it off of the face and dribbled on the green. Um, and he ended up making a whatever. He made a bogey or something that day. But it was it was so stressful for everybody involved. And it wasn't, it wasn't even me. I didn't even hit it. <laughs> but I wanted I didn't want him to be penalized for it. But that that rule was so was was so silly for so long and like they, well that's I, why they got rid of it they felt like it wasn't there's no advantage to the player usually 99 times out of 100 there's no advantage when you double hit it normally something no. bad is going to happen yeah so you know. why, why penalize them again for that like i think i think they did get it right with by by clarifying the intent because i i know that as soon as they change that rule, I don't, you probably saw some social media posts, but people hitting these like chip, like say they're behind a tree, they like pop up a little chip shot and then let it fly in the air and get out ahead of them. And so they can kind of hit it again, hit it again around a tree, hit it yeah. around a tree or something weird like that. And I'm like, well, you know, that that's a double hit. That's, that's a double hit with intent. You should be penalized for that. To try to get it, to try yeah. to gain an advantage, gain an advantage, you know? So. They're getting there. They're getting there. It's not perfect, but they are making progress in the right direction, I think. Yeah, let's get in there. This is a, a, another topic, but it, they need to bifurcate the rules. I know you guys are against that, but they need to bifurcate them. So we'll we'll save that debate. It's getting late. Um, that's a weird word. That's an actual word. I know it is. Clients. I know it's okay. I know it's a real real word, but it is Doesn't a weird word. It's like, what does that really mean? What do you mean when you say bifurcate? Sounds like you just shit your pants. You just, defic- <laughs> you just defecate? Yeah, it does. Okay, when you pee know. and poop at the same time, it's bifurcate. <laughs> <laughs> Makes about as much sense as two sets of rules. <laughs> I mean, you need to validify what you mean by bifurcate. A hundred. <laughs> ah, I love that word now. That should definitely be in the dictionary. That's we gotta get that on a t-shirt. Uh, I'm hoping <laughs> I can get that on my next golf ball shipment. Validify. <laughs> you definitely need to do that. That's that's classic. <laughs> uh, oh, I'm still good now. I'm I'm played a lot. I've got plenty of nuggets left. I'll say a little little fairy sent you some earlier in the year. I did. I got very lucky. Very lucky. I'm very gracious. <clears throat> um do we want to do picks this week? What tournament? I mean, I I did pick a team, but we don't know. Who, I, don't know who I, I think guys are. it's exactly it's the Butterfield Bermuda Championship this week. 
And when I was picking my team, and then I looked at it, <laughs> when something named Chad Ramy is, is on my squad, squad at $9,500, I was like, what is this event? Well, you know, we can go on about Chad Ramey, but Chad, this he's on my he's on my lineup. And if you if we want to go into it and pick the pick the teams, I can explain why I picked him. Um, All right, here's okay. Oh, whatever. We're gonna go we're gonna do this super fast. Here's here's my my roster. I'm just gonna go straight down in the order they have it. Russell Knox, seventy seven hundred. Denny McCarthy, eighty five hundred. Good putters, good ball strikers, short golf course. They both have some decent experience at, at this course. Graham McDowell, win player, good putter, short course, $7,200. Chad Ramey, someone said something about good on him on social media, so I picked him. Grayson Sig, no idea why I picked him, but uh, he had a good finish on the Corn Ferry Tour, so I picked him great, at Great ball striker, great ball striker, low ball hitter. There we go. Perfect. Yeah. I love, I love my pick even more. And then uh, my stud... Uh, $9,300, Danny Willett, and that's my team. Perfect. I think we picked a lot of the same guys, and it's funny because I almost picked Ramey as well. I didn't, but I almost didn't. The fact that all three of us would have then had this fucking unknown on our team could not pick him out of a lineup. Um, probably a great player and a great guy. No, no disrespect out there since you're not listening, but regardless. <laughs> um, since you're not listening. Probably a great guy. Uh, <laughs> running down it, Russell Knox and Graham McDowell. I have them both on my team for the exact same reasons that Mike has them on his team. Um, the one for sure, uh, Mr. Mito Pereira at 10,500. Uh, Ryan Palmer's not on the event, or else he'd be on here as well. <laughs> I love uh, it. Mike Smalley, uh, Smalley, I think is what you, how you say it, 7,600. Um, and Austin Eckrote, uh, round mine out. Oh, and I, I did forget Mr. Adam Hadwin. Yeah, he's a popular pick this week. Yeah, yeah. He's a solid player. Yeah, 100%. Um, well done. Well done, Mr. McLean. Um, I'm going to start from the bottom and work my way up. Uh, I've got Mr. Callum Taron. He's back in the, the field. Pod. He's back. I think he's getting ready to, to get a little bit of break. He's turning the corner. The baby is a month old now. I think he's focused on what he needs to do. He's going to finish off these last three or four weeks in style. And he's got just tons of firepower. Short course. He can take advantage of this place. If if, if he's on if he's on point, then he, he'll finish. He'll get a top 15, top 10 finish if he's if he can just do what he's capable of doing. So he's on there. Uh Hank Lebiota. Played with on the Canadian tour, real solid, great ball striker, great control over his ball, you know, playing in the wind. I think uh, he's right up there. Brandon Hagee, I've picked him a couple of times this year. I think I'm more prone to pick him. Uh, he, he hasn't had any really great finishes this year yet. I mean, a lot of 50th whatever place, but he scores a lot of points in DraftKings because he makes a lot of birdies. He hits it long. He's the longest guy in this field. Um, he actually is the longest guy in this field per the rankings. Um, so I don't know. Maybe he makes, you know, he makes he makes the cut and makes 30 birdies and 15 bogeys and shoots 1,500 and finishes top 10. Um, 
Next on the list, I've got Mr. Joseph Bramlett, who is, and he's a friend of the pod just because we know him. He's a good guy, and he works with John Scott, who we've talked about, uh, uh, lead uh, director and uh, director of instruction at uh, uh, Congressional. But he's a great guy, great great player, great ball striker, great control over his ball. So anytime you're in the wind, these guys are, are they play really well. Um, then I jump up to, we've already mentioned him, Chad Ramey out of Fulton, Mississippi. Great guy, quiet, doesn't talk a lot, which doesn't have anything to do with how well he's going to play this week. But I have played with him quite a few times in the past, and he I really like the guy. He's, he's, he's a nice guy, and he can hit. He does not miss it. I'm not going to lie. I've played with him. A handful of times, and he never misses a shot. So I'd take that guy in Bermuda where the wind's blowing, you know, 15, 20, 25 miles an hour at all times. I love it. Which, I love my pick even more. Which is why he, I mean, let's be honest. I mean, I know he's only played in what, four, three PGA Tour events. So 71st, 63rd, 14th, and his three PGA Tour events they played this, this past year. Um, so he's made the cut in all three. No, I'm sorry. He missed. He well, he he made the cut at uh, the Fortnite, but um, Fortnet, Fortinet, but he didn't play that. That uh, Fortnite's a video game. Yeah, the Fortinet. He oh, he did miss the cut by one. He missed the cut by one shot. I apologize. He shot seventy three sixty nine. Um, so he missed the cut by there. But but again, solid ball striker. Knows how to control his ball, which is what I want in the wind. And then last but not least, jumping to the top, Matthew Fitzpatrick. Going with the top option. Top coming dog. Off a, coming off a win. Um, coming so off an over at the uh, Ryder Cup again. Yeah, that's okay. I don't care. He just he, – he, he, he dropped the ball at the Ryder Cup, but then the next week he showed up and won on the European Tour. The guy's got some balls. Yeah, he's he does. Some, I do. Li- I do like him. So, he won the USAM at the uh, the Country Club in Brookline. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. Um, so there you go. That's my. That's my. That's my crew. So, all right. Way more in depth than uh, McLean and I went in our squads. That's fine. All right. You'll probably win this week, <laughs> or finish last. I won last week. Yes, you did. Just let's just state that. I did win. So, um, yeah, not sure how much of the uh, Butterfield Bermuda Championship I will be watching this weekend. I'm going to watch it. All. <laughs> it's on the Peacock, probably. It's on the Peacock Network. Perfect. <laughs> yeah, stream it on <laughs> your phone. Login. Yeah, shoot me that login. <laughs> so, I will, uh, I'll be watching the DraftKings leaderboard. I'm not sure how much of the event I'll be watching, but we'll see. We'll see if Chad is it Ramy Rami, Ramy Ramy. If he's in the contention, I will watch. I got I got twenty. Is that Chad Ramy finishes in the top twenty? I don't want to bet against that because he's on my team. Yeah. So. Okay, it's fair. But I, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna throw that out there. Chad Ramy finishes in the top twenty. Okay. It's great. That's why I picked him. I knew it all along. We all, we all picked him. Well, McLean was gonna pick them, but he didn't pick them. I, I was, yeah, which is great input for you guys um all right i think that's it for us unless you guys got anything else no can't wait to see you guys next week go brain we're gonna crush it again 
next nope. week another pod everyone needs let's to listen. go we're bringing knowledge well i don't know about that but <laughs> we're bringing something we're bringing something and it's entertaining <laughs> so maybe a little and, knowledge a little bit of knucklehead people maybe people making up words that's that's validified. validified that's validified that has validified been validified knuckleheader <laughs> and uh we'll have um uh, mclean will be a father of two yes he next will time we talk next time we talk you will have be two a father of kids. two i will have a second child join the crowd what a country <laughs> <laughs> all right boys have a good night yeah, cheers man thank you cheers